What's it like when one of your friends on death row is led away to be executed? You have a prepaid call from William A. Sapira. An inmate at the California State Prison, San Quentin. This call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded. I had to be a different, complete guy, which is the guy who walked the walkways of San Quentin's death row and without a gang, without a, a group of people around me, it was just me. Soon after you went into to be on death row, and you didn't really understand the prison workout system so much. But then he said, we're going to do 75 sets of it. To me, that seems extreme. So I'm wondering if there's a danger of overtraining, wearing yourself out so that you're... No, no, that's actually funny. That's, and it's funny. I'll tell you why. That's a good one, man. Uh, I'll tell you why. Welcome to Death Row Diaries, the only podcast hosted live from Death Row. I'm Matt Ralston. And I'm Leon Aguero. And we have a really special episode today because you guys send in your questions. And we appreciate you sending in your questions. So today we have a special episode where we're going to answer all those questions that we couldn't get around to. And of course, you can send those questions into Bill. Go ahead. Well, there is, of course, on Instagram, Death Row Diaries. Don't forget about the Patreon page where we have bonus episodes that you won't get anywhere else. That is, of course, patreon.com slash death or diaries. All right, Bill. So Carol in Mendocino County, California, that's not a city, but close enough. She asks, Bill, what serial killer do you think has the highest IQ? And then she mentions a few, Ted Bundy, Randy Alcala, Randy Kraft, and Ed Kemper, the fat bloated hipster. Um so, I don't know. You've probably thought about this. What do you think? Well, yeah. She's right on target. It, because my list is pretty close to that. She she hit all the four marks. Um, I know uh, two of these guys personally. And the number one guy on my list would be Rodney Akala. He is known as a dating game killer. This guy um, is sick son of a bitch, okay? I mean, look. Killed. His kill count is extremely high. No one knows exactly how many people he killed, but he was a photographer. You know, he went to college. He uh, has a degree. He worked for the Los Angeles Times. He was a camp counselor. The guy killed in New York, Los Angeles, Wisconsin. In between, he killed other people. They found a locker, a storage locker with over a thousand photographs. They found a thousand photographs of different women. Um, this guy was a, a, a terrible person. I mean, he's a child molester, a rapist, a serial killer. He's just an all-around creepy guy, but you could not help his intelligence level. He actually represented himself successfully through his appeal. He got three different times his convictions overturned. The guy was a very intelligent guy. He is dead. Uh, number two, I wouldn't say it's Ted Bundy. I think he was more egotistical, kind of a charmer. But in my opinion, it would be then Randy Kraft. 
He's known as the scorecard killer. I know him as well. He was my neighbor for about 10 years. Extremely intelligent guy, but the guy doesn't talk a whole lot. In the decade that he lived next door to me, you know, I did try to engage him, and he did talk to me a number of times. But the guy's highly intelligent. Um, his kill count is over 45. Uh, the third guy on my list then would probably be, you know, I hate to put this guy here because I hate listening to this guy talk, but it has to be Edward Kemper. He has 145 IQ. Uh, he's Mr. Know-it-all. He's the serial killer of Sockopedia, and I think he just likes the attention. Number four would have to be then, wow, um, I'd say the Zodiac Killer. Very intelligent guy. They've never caught him. He's probably dead now. Died in prison or just died of old age. Extremely intelligent guy with all these different codes. They never found him. They never discovered who he was. And to the day, there's a number of programs about him, and they don't know who he is. The last guy that lives, in my opinion, then would be Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy, smart guy, represented himself, arrogant bastard, serial killer, extraordinaire. His kill count isn't that high, but he did get so at a time when everybody was very interested in serial killers. He really put the face on the, you know, the whole serial killer guy. And he was good looking, so he was charming. And he's kind of what women want to see as a killer. A charming guy, not a bad looking guy, well spoken. So he'd be the fifth guy on my list. Yeah, I don't put a lot of stake in IQ tests because they're just so malleable and it's not arbitrary, but there's just a lot of room there. I, I kind of put people into three categories of dim, normal, bright, and very bright. So what percentage of these guys, because you know more of these guys than probably anyone, um, through no fault of your own, been forced to associate with them. What percentage of them are intelligent guys versus like gummo retards? having a large engine in a car. It has the capacity to go fast, but you, it has to have all the other components, the right gasoline, the right transmission, and everything. A lot of guys in IIQs or high IQs are guys that have emotional problems. I've met a lot of guys who are extremely high IQs, but they're, they have such emotional problems they can't function. The guys that I've mentioned here, Randy, uh, I'm sorry, Rodney Akala, extremely high functional. He not only had a high IQ, he's extremely intelligent. He used his IQ for his own purposes. So I would say out of the bunch, he is the smartest or the most intelligent one of all. Of course, Randy Kraft, highly uh, functional as well. So uh, these guys, all the ones that I mentioned here, um, Aside from the Zodiac, we, we don't know a lot about him. There's no face to him. I've never seen him interact. But because of the codes that he wrote, the different um, puzzles, riddles, how he worked, it seems that he was very high, get um, a high uh, IQ, but also an extremely high level of functionality. So, yeah, these guys, these, this percentage, I'd say they're all across the board, very high in intelligence as well as IQ. Yeah, so real quick, though. Like, of the whole population, how many of them are, like, curious, intelligent people versus, like, just dumb goons? 
Oh, wow. Um, I'd say that the, the, the majority of people that are classified as serial killers have a lower level of intelligence than most people. I teach right around 85 to 90. Their IQs. I see. All right, so Bill, I've asked you this, and I don't know why it's on people's minds. Maybe because of the Army Hammer documentary on Hulu, because he calls himself a cannibal, and I don't know if he was just really aggressive into the S&M stuff, or if he actually is a cannibal. Maybe a conversation for a different time. But Caroline, one of our best, most loyal listeners, wants to know, have you ever met any cannibals? Were you scared or intrigued by them? chili contest you're bribing someone i'm sorry it's just way too subjective for there to be like someone who's way better at it than anyone else it's like it's either good or it's not it's chili you know what i mean yeah it's kind of hard to mess it up you know you put meat in there you put you know beans and sauce and you're good i mean can you put some sirloin in there maybe some human meat in there to make it spice it up probably yeah, you're right. Chili is freaking chili. Not rocket science, that's for sure. Well, it's like a surfing contest. And I do watch these things on TV occasionally. But And you're a surfer, so you know. Either you can do it or you can't. And some guys are really good. But to say that this person is the best at it, to me, is very strange. Because of the way the sets come in and everything. I, I just think there are some things that you don't judge. when a guy is consistent waves really usually break very close to each other or very similar because it's not about a random wave there is a, a shelf there so when the wave comes in it, it lifts so it's pretty consistent so if you see a guy do a 360 and he lands it you know 7 out of 10 times and as opposed to a guy gets it 3 out of 10 times he knows better <laughs> yeah yeah for sure for sure but it's like, okay, in in the world, there are like eight guys that can ride a 80-foot wave. Who's to say one of them's better than the other? Like, it is an exclusive thing, and, the, and they're very talented and skilled. But I just, I, I don't know. I think, like, making it a competition kind of ruins the whole spirit of it. Just my opinion. Yeah, and a lot of factors, luck. 
you know, you're on the right, you, you catch it. It's hard to, to ride a, a, an 80-foot wave because it's a building, basically a moving building, and you're actually riding this thing. Yeah, that's, that takes high skill. There's a handful of guys that can do it, you know, Laird Hamilton, you know, some of the guys like, uh, you know, McFlee, uh, Garcia. I mean, there's a lot of guys that have been doing this for the past 25 to 30 years. It's hard to say who was the best, of course. It's, it's just nearly impossible. Uh, but I'd love to watch it, as you mentioned. It's, it's incredible. Yeah, totally. So, Stephen, and I forgot to ask where Stephen's from, but Stephen, one of our Patreon subscribers, very loyal listener, he has a lot of interesting questions, but he was asking about a guy named Richard Kuklinski, the Iceman. Oh, yeah. I know who that is. That's the Iceman. Who is this guy? This guy, well, this guy was a master hitman for the mob. This guy was known as the Iceman because he was very good at what he did. Some guys say, well, this guy was a serial killer because he really enjoyed what he was doing. But he was an extremely organized hitman. And the mob hired this guy to do hits for them. But this guy took complete, I don't know, just torturous, you know, sick, twisted ways of killing people to a whole different level. Let me just explain. So one of his favorite things when the mob would give him, let's say, a certain amount of money to kill Joe Chaplinsky down the street because he knows too much or whatever reason they had. This guy, instead of just saying, look, I killed him, here's a photograph of a dead body, it's very easy for someone to fake a death. He can, you know, make up, put a bullet hole in his head, look, I killed the guy, but he was not witness protection. He thought about all this stuff. So what he did was, he would take, he'd snatch you up, if you were his next target, or the hit, or the mark, he would snatch your ass up. He would take you up to the Catskill Mountains in New York, in these big, huge caves. He would tie you to a chair, he would put a camera in front of you, and then he would cut you a couple times and then walk away. So what's going to happen? Well, on those mountains, there are freaking field rats that are as big as cats. So he actually would film you being eaten alive by rats. The next day he would come, pick up his camera, toss your ass in a hole somewhere, and then deliver the video to the mob boss who hired him. Can you imagine what the mob boss is thinking when he gets this video and it's the victim that you hired and he's being eaten alive by field rats? Immediately this guy, the Iceman, got a reputation, became the most sought-after hitman the mob um, employed. So yeah, that's who this guy was. Unfortunately for him, towards the end of his life, got very paranoid, went into an institution, and he believed there were poisoning him, that the mob was, you know, conspiring against him. He was getting very paranoid, and he ended up dying in a hospital. Yeah, I was meaning to ask you this, a very related question, but 
for some reason in this country, we glorify the mafia. And these guys are a bunch of dumbasses. And they're criminals, by the way, in a bad way. But how many of these hitmen are actual serial killers? I mean, I'm thinking about it. If I was a guy that wanted to be a serial killer, why wouldn't I just join the mob? It seems like it's an excuse, almost. Yeah, well, most of these hitmen were not you know, the mob. They weren't in the mob. They were hired. This guy was, was Polish. He could never become a, become a monster. But you you know what I mean, though. Just just to have like an excuse to to be doing it. It's like, well, I could do this anyway. I may as well get paid to do it. Yeah, but there are a lot of serial killers are functional, but there are they, they kind of spitter a little bit. They they're not one hundred percent normal. They're, they have uh, they have like these these things that they do sometimes that criminals will pick up on. And I can only explain to you this in very loose terms, but when I meet another guy who's a convict of criminal, I know immediately what he is by just talking to him. And guys in the mob who are criminals, they recognize other criminals immediately. And I don't mean criminals like serial killers. I mean guys who are part of this particular mindset. So I think it would be very difficult for a serial killer to fake being just a hitman and then say, well, look, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying this because the victims would be different. Serial killers just have um, a particular victim in mind, gender, etc. So, I, yeah, could they do it? Absolutely. I don't think that that is something that probably happened. I know that the Iceman in particular, he practiced on bums. He would go under bridges and he would murder um, bums. He was practicing his craft, so you could say, "Okay, he was practicing like your mo. He was getting better at what he was doing." Yeah, I can see that argument come in, but I disagree. I don't think the Iceman received sexual gratification for what he was doing. I think it was about his profession. He was trying to perfect what he was doing to make higher end, uh, amounts of money. Yeah, that is a distinction that's important, and it's your point is taken in that if you're hired to kill people it's usually not going to be you know women or teenage girls or whatever which is usually who these guys kill so sharon in berlin germany wants to know bill what do you think are the best serial killer names i'm now i'm trying to think of a few like zodiac is kind of cool it's very cryptic and invokes like a horror movie to me what other ones are good Yeah, it is good, and I'm not a huge fan of British culture with the colonization and everything, but they do have a certain knack for the literary talents, because I don't think the guy's name was probably Jack, but it sounds cool. You know, if he was called Carl the Ripper, I don't think we'd be talking about it right now. Yeah, no, you're right, and it's always you can always think back to a guy by the name of William Shakespeare, so yeah, British people, you know, English people, yeah, like they have a thing for the literary arts. So, I think that you hit on one very good, Zodiac. 
that's a fantastic name. I love it. It's uh, they never met the guy. He's legendary. Um, number three, gotta be a night stalker. That's a great name, man. You know, I, I don't. You can't attribute that name to Richard Ramirez because he, he didn't come up with it. It was the media. They came up with it. But if you're as old as I am, you you remember the. The Night Stalker, the, the the TV series on channel, I believe it was Channel Five, CBS, and they had this guy named Carl Kolschak, and he would chase all these paranormal things, vampires, werewolves in the city of Chicago. He was a he was a, a Chicago Tribune reporter. Um, so, and that's where the name Night Stalker came up. But if you know that the history of the name Night Stalker, it actually wasn't it was not given to it was not given to Richard Ramirez to begin with. It was given to the guy known as the Golden State Killer now, who Michelle McNamara uh, renamed him. He was the original Night Stalker. So that's a great name, and, and I come back, I'll give you another three top names for serial killers. Uh, yeah, so what are the other top names on your okay, list? The other one is probably a lot of people not familiar with his name because he was around the 50s, 1950s, and that's the Lonely Hearts Killer. I mean, that's Wow, you know, that's, that's a great name, and it, it brings to mind that the 50s, 60s, of serial killers were really beginning to be known. No one knew there were serial killers, but this guy used to go to, like, where lovers' lanes were, and he would kill at those spots. Um, so the Lonely Hearts Killer is a good one. Um, I think in my list, probably the, the third, the fourth one would probably be um, the Dating Game Killer. This guy, uh, Rodney Akala was actually a contestant on a dating game in the 1970s. He was already a serial killer. He had already killed like six, seven women. And he goes on a dating game and he actually freaking wins the damn dating game. So they called him the dating game killer. That's, that's a great name. I'm all for freedom of speech and I do not think there should be a law against this. But in the name of decency, do you think journalists should stop trying to give these guys really cool nicknames because it kind of glorifies what they're doing? It does glorify them, and it gives them a, self, a, a sense of self-importance, and it does kind of uh, push them on. Sometimes the media in the 80s and 90s, they would put out false information purposely about a serial killer, and then he would try to go out there and prove them wrong, and, and law enforcement believed that they would get caught for that reason because they tried to do exactly what the opposite of what the media was saying. One, um, one example was the Golden State Killer, who is known as the East Area Rapist, and then became the Night Stalker, and then became Iran, and of course, finally became the Golden State Killer. The media put out there that he was a coward, that he only uh, went after women that that he only went after women who were alone or with small children in the house. So what does he do? He said, "Oh, okay, I'm a coward." So then he goes and starts killing men and women that are in the house together, just to prove the media wrong. So. Yeah, I don't know if that's a good tactic, but, um, yeah. Yeah, I that's insane that that's what they were doing, and <laughs> I feel like that's just a violation on so many levels. Uh, what about, you know, real quick, as long as we're talking nicknames, there was a basketball player named Andre Karolinko, so his initials are AK, and then his jersey number was 47, and he was Russian. <laughs> which is where they manufacture the AK-47. Is that not the coolest nickname of all time? 
was a gunner, and that would be really something. Right? Yeah, and he could shoot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that would be a great name. Yeah, it was so pretty. So the last name on my list, Matt, would have to be the Green River Killer. I thought he was, that's a pretty insane name, the Green River Killer. Yeah, I mean, if you name a river the Green River, you're just recruiting serial killers at that point. Like exactly. you're just asking for someone to stash bodies in the Green River. Yeah, but there's look, there's a lot of other good names. The Happy Face Killer, the Smiley Face Killer is a good one. There's there's a number of pretty darn you know the, the Milwaukee Cannibal. We talked about cannibals earlier. Dahmer was known as the Milwaukee Cannibal. They're a pretty good name. So that's my uh, take on the best serial killer names. Number one, Jack the Ripper. Micah in Mount Vernon. Illinois wants to ask, is it a good idea to write to someone on death row? Like to have a pen pal relationship with them and just kind of figure out what they're doing. My first thought not to answer the question that he addressed to you is no, because I feel like I would send them a letter. They don't have jack shit going on. They would then send 10 long winded letters back. And then I would feel guilty because I couldn't respond. And I feel like that's usually how the relationship goes. But anyway, what do you think, Bill? Yeah, you know, that's a great question, especially coming from a woman because, look, I know that there are all these sites that have pin pals for prisoners and a lot of guys on death row on there. I'm not one of them, but a lot of women write men in prison. Uh, look, I, I think, in my opinion, it's just take it or leave it, but. I probably wouldn't write a serial killer or, or a serial rapist. I mean, I'd look at the person you're, you're writing to find out who he is and why he's there. I mean, it's one of those guys that, my God, it looks like he may be innocent. I don't see it's a bad thing. I mean, I know a lot of guys in prison who have married pinballs, and they're very happy together. I, you know, I, I don't think that always happens. I think the percentage is probably a bit lower than regular marriage. What's it, 50-50? If you marry somebody in 10 years, you're probably going to be divorced. Nobody gets married thinking, oh, I'm going to get divorced in 10 years. They all think they're that particular couple. They're going to make it for eternity. So, hey, it's a crapshoot. Um, yeah, look the guy up. Look up his, what he's there for, what he said, if there's any videos about him, where he came from. Study the guy. I, I think it's no different than if you, you found a guy that you met on the street. The guy did it real well. Find out some things about him. Get to know him. Find out what it is he Find you so more because he's on death row or in prison, and you can look up why he's there. But yeah, that's that's, that's a good question. I, I I'm probably the worst person because I I don't write. I, I mean, I write books. I don't write people. Um, it's not one of the things I like to do. But um, give it a shot. Hell, right. So the other podcast I was working on called Murder on Ice, which is about a murder that happened in Alaska where I grew up. I had to write to a guy who's in prison. Uh, doing life without parole. And I really got the feeling that he didn't have anyone else to talk to. And this is a terrible guy, by the way, so it's not like I wanted to talk to him. And he just sent me back these letters that I could tell he spent like all day writing, and I just found it very awkward. Yeah, there's a lot of gifted guys that write real well. I've seen some guys write some stuff. I'm like, wow, I mean, letters. I mean, I'm not talking about books, letters. I'm like, wow. Hell, if I read this thing, I'd, I'd be like, wow, this guy must be innocent. Take it in a grain of salt. Everybody has to decide for themselves. Is it a good idea? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. You'll have to figure that one out yourself. Yeah. 
Yeah. So we've got this question from a few listeners, including David, and they are asking us about a guy I've never heard of. I haven't heard of most of these guys named Kenneth McDuff. And McDuff was a guy in Texas who was like uh, a kid who was born to the only rich family in town. Yeah, I actually know what you're talking about. Ken McDuff killed a couple people, went to trial, beat it because of influence, because of money, then got out and continued to kill. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it was a thing that really frustrated the law enforcement community in Texas because they all knew what he was doing and they couldn't exactly nail him for it. But it was one of those situations, like we've talked about, that happened in the 70s and 80s where a guy gets busted, but because of the because of the climate at that point, he was able to get paroled, even after committing pretty serious crimes. Yeah, I think he actually beat the case. His lawyers got him out, and then he got out and just continued to do what he was, like he was born to do. You know, it was an idea, maybe. People are asking about this guy. Maybe we should do an episode on him. Yeah, we definitely should. We'll do that in the next couple weeks. You know, I was, as long as we're on the topic, I was kind of struggling with this thought the other day. And this is my own question. But how is it possible? How the hell is it possible that this country puts more people in prison than any other country, probably at any time in the world? And we still have really dangerous people walking around. I don't see how it can be both ways. Like, a guy tried to break down my door the other day. I don't live in a bad neighborhood. A guy at 6 in the morning tried to break into my house. It's like, how are there so many bad people in prison, and yet there are still so many people just walking around? Yeah, that's a very good question. I think the entire, you know, psychologists, psychiatrists, and just social people are involved in societies and how they work are probably very, they ask themselves the same question. We have, you know, London, Britain, Australia, was supposed to be a prison colony, don't have even a tenth of the crime that we have here. We could probably put all those countries together and not have the incarcerated people in the United States. And it seems to be getting worse, you know. But one thing is that we breed criminals in this country. And what I, what I mean by that is that it's like having cows. They're the ones that they're the they they're, they're the God, what, what am I looking for the word? They're the the, the the stock. You know, you need people in prison in order to continue this industry. The prison industry is very lucrative, and you know, everybody, every politician talks about hard on crime. If you go to Britain or to Australia, politicians aren't talking about. The Industry would then fail and 
probably go away. And there's a lot of powerful people that don't want this industry to fail. Yeah, and along those lines, I think if you try and break into a house, you are a dangerous person. I mean, it scares people. It scared me. It scared my girlfriend. I don't care if you want to smoke meth. I wouldn't recommend it, but you're not hurting anyone. And so the the insane drug laws that we have contribute to this because you have people that didn't really do anything wrong serving life in prison and you have actual dangerous people you know, getting out after a couple of years. It makes no sense. It's totally insane. Well, why it makes sense to certain people is because the trickle-down effect of it. So you have a guy who uses meth. Well, to support that habit, he's not a doctor, he's not a lawyer, he's not a bricklayer, he's not a guy who consistently works because the drug is, is eating up his mind. So what does he do? He breaks the house, he does burglaries, he does shoplifting, he does all these criminal activities. So the criminal activity is a product of being a meth user or a drug user. So I can see where people have children and then immediately get upset and they want to stick the guy in prison for the rest of his life. Although he's only convicted of possession, meth, or using meth, or selling meth, you've got to understand that he also committed a bunch of crimes in order to keep that habit going. So that's the problem with... But of course, we're not convicting somebody being in prison because of the potential he has for being a murderer. We're putting him in prison for drugs, and of course, yes, he's hurting all himself in that sense. And the laws are crazy because you're paying forty-five to forty-eight thousand dollars for you to keep this guy in jail, and then if you give these long sentences of 20, 30, 40 years, which are ridiculous, but not because of the sense that everything takes well, because you know you're giving a guy so much time. Forget that for a minute. Just think about the taxpayers, the society. They're paying for this guy when he's forty years old. His body's breaking down, so you're paying for medical, you're paying for dental, you're paying for the, all the best qualities. So, of course, you'll say, well, don't give them that. And it becomes a human rights deal. So, you have to think about what you're doing. If you put a person in prison for 30, 40, 50 years, you're going to be paying high costs of elderly people and, of course, medical care, etc. Well, Bill, we'll have to leave it there for now. These are certainly interesting discussions. This is part one of a two-part episode, and this one is free, which we don't mind doing this content for free, so we'll put this up on the regular services, and we're going to switch to part two, where we'll answer some more questions on Patreon. So until then, I've been Matt Ralston. And I wanted to go. Be safe.